0: Hey, this is Channing. And this is Leah.
1: And you've reached Vessel, Art is a Doorway.
0: Welcome to Episode 9. Hi, we want to thank you guys for being with us on this episode. We're so delighted that you're joining us this week.
1: Yeah, we are so happy that you're here with us uh, audience because we know that there's so many different things that you could be doing with your time but the fact that you're here with us means a lot uh, to us personally so thank you so much now Leah last week you finished up that show when there are no words how'd that go
0: yeah the AR VR art show that I've been doing I was able to finish up the last part part four and it's been going really well audience if you guys want to take a look at the show, it's in a password-protected site, so just send me a DM at on Instagram at Leah Smithson Arts. Or if you're already on the email list, then you should already have all the information. Or you could just sign up for the email list at clss.studio. That's class without an A.studio.
1: Yeah, that show is really phenomenal. I don't think I've seen, as of yet, I haven't seen that many 3D augmented reality versus virtual reality shows like that. So Leah, you really outdid yourself with that. But we want to really show some love to all of you who've responded to the podcast um, some of you have just been able to uh, give us some really outstanding reviews i've gotten dm'd on several occasions about how people feel about the art and one of the reviews i wanted to highlight today was taken from the itunes uh, podcast listen to this this comes from marcia and frank they say great podcast showing how art impacts the world No matter if it is music, design, drawing, painting, sculpture, and many other mediums, art is needed. I love how they talk to their guests and really tackle the message art has. This is more than just a how-to, but how art impacts the creator and the audience. I am hooked with an exclamation point. And, you know, Marcia and Frank, we want to thank you so much for giving us that kind review
0: Yeah, Marcy and Frank, thank you so much. It really does mean a lot.
1: We always enjoy hearing from you. So when you send a review into the podcast, it really allows us to really get to know you better. So thank you so much to many of you who've been sending us notes.
0: So this week, you all have to be honest. I was a little starstruck when talking to this fantastic artist that we had the pleasure of interviewing this week. He's such a great guy.
1: He sure is. Simon Haas of the Haas Brothers is a phenomenal ceramist and builder and maker, beater. He just has so much going on for himself. He's been featured in many publications. For instance, Vogue Italia, American Way, Manhattan Magazine, Prada, Maxim France, 1530, Pinup Magazine, and the list goes on. And he's even been able to work on projects with the likes of Rihanna. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. But let's listen into this interview with Simon Haas. Well, audience, we are with Simon Haas from the Haas Brothers. Can you imagine that? What a privilege to have you on the show, Simon. We are so happy that you're with us.
2: I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: We have been trying to get Simon on the show, but needless to say, I'm sure you can imagine he's been busy. but we are so happy to have you, Simon. Now now that we've been able to track you down and and spend some time with you uh, in this evening, in this discussion, if you don't know, Simon is a magnificent sculptor, designer, painter, materials researcher. And there's so much that we can learn from Simon and some of the work that he does with his brother. You'll be really fascinated as we get into this discussion But Simon, just to start off our discussion, we want to ask you a couple of questions about yourself. We always like to go back to the beginning. How was this person created? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we know, we know you and your brother. You guys are uh, are twins, and mm-hmm. you just told us beforehand that you're about nine minutes older than he is. So mm-hmm. it, 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 people always talk about the fraternal paternal twins. What, what are you guys?
2: We're fraternal twins. Oh, fraternal and the nine, twins. The, the nine minutes makes a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> excellent! 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 Psychologically. But, Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely, definitely. But going back to the beginning, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background, your education and where you grew up?
2: Yeah, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and we were born in in L.A. actually, but my mom was from Texas and we moved back there. My education was at RISD, but I I only stayed for two years. But really, I think I got most of my education just from growing up around my parents. uh, And then really nikki and i just did whatever we wanted to do and we kind of reinforced each other's ideas and helped each other do like i mean building tree houses and and that kind of stuff and my dad was a stone carver so we grew up carving stone and that was our first medium but really it was we just kind of were steeped in it as kids we didn't learn how to do do any kind of financial planning or (laughs) like, like Zero practical anything I had to learn all of that after I left home, uh, which was a challenge, but i was definitely I grew up just all about about art
0: so would you say that what was your first memory of art? Would it be that stone carving or watching your parents?
2: Yeah, my dad had a studio um he you know he made furniture actually, and he was a painter, and he carved stone, and we do all of that stuff still, so i I saw him doing it. Um, but he also had a lot of books around and there was a David Hockney book that he wrote about himself and just Mm -hmm. kind of about his own process. And I read that when I was, I don't remember how old I was. I might've been like 12 Mm. because I was just stuck in my dad's studio and it was really amazing. And, And the way he talked about art kind of changed the way I looked at it because it was very, it was a pretty bold way of talking. He said that pretty isn't a bad thing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said a lot of stuff about art that I think goes against people think are, are rules inside of art. And I don't really believe <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: what, are, what are some of the things that you remember? Or Is there anything in particular that like on a daily basis or weekly basis that you keep in mind that you think's influenced you?
2: Well, I, what I mentioned about pretty not being a bad word actually i think is is important to me because i it made me think about other things that art isn't supposed to be you know in quotes and when he says pretty picture a lot of people will say no that's a a beautiful painting is how you really should say it or something (laughs) and um, nikki and i focus a lot on cuteness in work Mm -hmm. and i think it's actually so important and I talk about it with, in regards to robots, uh, just that robots are, if, if robots aren't cute, they're completely terrifying. And the only way that that a human is going to want to interact with a robot is if it's adorable. And so I I, I see that being like a big function inside of a human's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like with, with animals, they're really cute when they're tiny and, uh, or babies too, but they're also like, difficult you know So cute that you'll put up with anything and I really like that as like a we like to put something cute across and then and then behind the cuteness there's always a whole lot more but the cuteness is like an important thing and I, I I think that's one of the going back to the Hockney thing that's one of those pieces of art that I think gets kind of overlooked or or it's not like on a high enough level necessarily to be included a lot of the time
0: yeah, I really like that point. It's like that that cuteness has like a power behind it. So it's like, why don't we use that?
1: Exactly. In your opinion, do you think as a child that you enjoyed making things? or?
2: Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I mean, it's most of what I did. I would either listen to music or make stuff. And I would paint, I was not a painter as a kid. I didn't know how to do it, but I liked doing it. And I would try to, I did a lot of copying stuff that my dad was doing. And then Nikki and I made these little toys that we tried to sell at a toy store (laughs) in Austin called Toy Joy, and they didn't want them, but we, we were always like trying to do stuff like that. We made stop motion videos. I mean, Austin was really boring, actually, when I was a kid. So that was a, that was a good outlet. <laughs> yeah, that's so
1: interesting. Man. So when you uh, think about, you know, when we were doing some of the research on you guys, we saw that you guys, you have your hands in a lot of different endeavors. Have you always identified yourself as an artist?
2: Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to be a painter. That was, I, I don't know, I didn't call myself an artist till, till later on. I just did whatever. I was a cook for a long time. Well, I don't know. I've done all kinds of things. I was I was like uh, reluctant to call myself an artist because I don't know. It almost felt like I was making some kind of a grand statement, and I don't. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I had gotten there yet. So no, I, I I didn't. I didn't always call myself an artist, but definitely I would have called myself creative. And you know, anything I anything that somebody does where they're putting themselves into it and really caring, I think is art. So. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty vague term. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's true. So how do you feel like that your background, working with your parents and you and your brother doing these projects together, how do you feel that it has impacted your life in general?
2: Working with my dad, stone carving is one of the hardest crafts you can do mm-hmm. because it just takes forever. It's very hard on your body. You can very easily hit the wrong spot on the stone, and the whole thing falls apart. So from that, I learned to be okay with something if I've worked on it for a long time and it's destroyed in a second. Um, that's a good lesson as of I'm sure doing ceramics, you know all about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. It's a lot of work and then all of a sudden it's gone. But that's actually, I think, really good for you to experience and to become okay with. So that that's something for sure my childhood gave me that. And then I, I also cooked in a kitchen when I was in my teens and that really had a big impact on how I operate now too because i in that environment totally became okay with stress and Mm -hmm. having to just do lots of things at the same time and working with the purpose of giving something that was again going to just disappear in a second. So Mm -hmm. I I like that mindset you're working for the sake of working uh, or doing exactly what you are feeling. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that totally is because it's easy. I find with my personality myself, sometimes I tend to like obsess and try to make this thing perfect. But if I just get rid of it, move on to the next thing, then over time you improve versus kind of like getting stuck in that one place. So I really, really love that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like your head where you're, you can get lost, and if you you know if you're like rolling over on the same idea over and over, it can start to get exhausting, and that's that happens in art too. So that's such a, a good point, and it's such a good uh, <laughs> such, a, such an important piece of art making, and, and a very difficult one to overcome, I think. Yeah,
1: we know that both of you guys are just extremely talented. Uh, before we start this conversation, you were telling me that you're really into a lot of research and development. Um. what mediums do you enjoy working with the most
2: right now it's beads i love beads and i've been working with them for five years now and i also you know i like all materials really it's mostly if the, if i come across a material that i've never used before and i get I'll, I'll start to get excited about it and then i get kind of obsessed for a long time and right right now it's beads because we do a lot of bead work that is that has occupied most of my time for a long <laughs> time <laughs>
0: That's cool. And I love the way you guys use beads too, because it's not in the typical way. Like, I feel like you know how to take a material and like, like push it to where it should have gone. Like, Oh yeah, of course it should have been used in this way <laughs> the whole time. What are, What is the thing that you noticed about beads that made you drawn to it or is making you really like enjoy working with it? Uh,
2: they're, they are naturally units, which is means that they're great for, to be like a computer or for counting Mm -hmm. Um, and they are, they also have a color on them already. So they're kind of categorized. I like all these systems. I'm like, (laughs) Um, uh, and also their spheres and spheres pack really nicely. So Mm -hmm. those three things got my brain going. Um, and I, I just wanted to make three dimensional shapes using them. And I started to like write these little programs, like a rule, like if Mm. you, if you go through a red bead with your needle, um, and you pick up, then you pick up a blue bead and a yellow bead, then what do, what do yellow beads do? When you do that or what do the other beads do so if i I write down these rules for them and i just follow them these shapes kind of pop out and it's really cool and I, i mean anyone can do that if you just write your own rules for beads and it's it's amazing to see that they take on a life of their own um and i spent a long time categorizing my own system but that's just like, that's just personal to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're, that they are just awesome. And they're really historically significant. They've been around for a long time.
0: I love that. So it's it's like, um, I feel like what you're saying is, it's not just the material itself, but it's the meaning behind it, the history behind it. And then also like, that's so interesting like when you were talking about you just set a rule for yourself and then it'll it's a surprise even to you it turns out and it's just interesting to me like with design and art and how that can happen
2: yeah exactly i mean it's sort of like if you're painting and you you notice that like that like a zinc white for example is really thin and as a newbie i didn't know that and i kind of smudged a color into it and and it changes the color in a very specific way so it's It's about just kind of like trying something and then noticing. And that's really all I do, Um, especially the noticing part. I'm all about that. Yeah. Just humble people. Just humble. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I work really hard, but that's most of what I do. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. So do you find that working in one medium, like for instance, with the beads, and then you go to painting, designing and research, do you find that it has an impact on your creativity when you continue to switch through different mediums?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like, like speaking in a different language, or or even learning words where there's not a direct translation from one language to another. And you're able to have a, a word in a different language that doesn't have that direct meaning. And you do somehow figure out what it means, there's suddenly like a new concept in your head that you could never have come up with. And that's what I've get excited by when I switch around materials because I'll notice stuff actually the stuff I did in ceramics is what led me to look at beads the way I did because it was also sort of a rules based approach Uh, making the textures I make are very much methodical rule thing Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely materials inform each other
0: yeah it's funny because it's like a few artists like you and a a couple other artists that I've talked to I feel like a lot of us feel kind of like in a way maybe how we imagine like scientists work or when I hear scientists even talk that's sometimes how they work they sometimes set a rule or they have their hypothesis and then they do all these experiments and see what comes about when your creative process do you start like with me, sometimes I may start with an emotion and then I'll work backwards to try to see if I can make an object that can hopefully embody maybe that type of feeling. Do you have something like that or do you have like an image or a dream? I know you talked about the rules approach, which I, I really mm-hmm. love that too.
2: So that's the the way you create, I think is really beautiful. And it's something that I um, I can get across more if I'm, if I'm drawing or painting. But yeah. when it comes to the work I do with Nikki, I don't actually come from that standpoint and i do approach it more like a scientist i think they're very similar things i mean that the schools of arts and sciences are always together right there's probably probably for a reason i don't know (laughs) but um yeah in in my practice nikki is the guy who starts with an emotion and creates from that space and i'm i'm coming from the other side which to me it's almost like a spiritual pursuit because when i find order in in things or any kind of order, I, I I really love. I see that a cave, you know, dripping water will make a cave. How did that happen? It's beautiful. Right. That's like to me, that's awe, and I love approaching that kind of a thing. So Nikki kind of comes from this human feeling animal place, and I'm <laughs> kind of more from like geology, plants, sort of a place. But both things are in the world, and both things are really important. And and we're lucky to have each other to balance that, <laughs> to balance that out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I told, yeah, I love that because it's interesting to me too, how like what you said, it's like when you go in the cave, it makes you me feel a certain way. But I love how you approach it because you're like, okay, let me figure out... W- What processes happen? Because I feel that way too. I feel like the Earth is like a beauty machine. I know. I know some people may, you know, there's spiders and all this kind of stuff, but it's still really, really fascinating, you know. And so, yeah. (laughs) So I love how you kind of get to the process that created it, and then you and you know work those types of principles into your mind. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could, I could look into that forever. I mean that there's there are scary things, there's pretty things, but if you look around, there's some fish in the in the ocean that are really scary looking. But like what is it about <laughs> them that are why why does it look scary? Or what are the right. things about it that are looking so scary? And it is like a a real physical response that we have to those things. And beauty in the same way that's all over the place. Uh, We have the same kind of response. And I feel like artists, no matter how they're approaching it, are making pieces that elicit the same kinds of responses out of people. And that's really where an artist has a special ability to communicate without words. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's like what it's about. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. So So now we've been talking about things from a creative perspective. For an artist's perspective. But now, how about uh, when it comes to those who may have acquired or maybe visualized your work? Have you seen how others have responded to the or work? People? That you create? Or people? Or people
0: who've collected your work? What kind of things do they say to you?
2: Um, they, they usually tell me about their rituals with our work, which is they they'll say like a, a, there's i'm thinking of a specific client in aspen who uh who says hello and goodbye to to her little <laughs> animal that we made every day <laughs> and that's so awesome like that's how i want people to interact with it um anything anything where a relationship forms i think is cool i there were there've been negative responses too but they're you know that's going to happen with anything i think mostly it's about happiness and and uh, even if people don't like it, we get a lot of laughs. And that's also <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm yeah. fine with that. Now, if, if someone
1: were to explore you guys, uh, your website, they're going to come across this one thing when it, uh, that you guys have uh, featured on your website. It's called the Animal Alphabet Book. Yeah. Now, why in the world would you guys create a children's book?
2: Uh, well, I have a nephew. Uh, Nikki has, is Nikki's son, and he's just awesome. And I—I I mean, our work is sort of childlike anyway. And I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's basically ready-made for kids. I mean, when kids are in in a show of ours, they tend to be the ones getting the most excited. So, <laughs> um, I think we just—I I think children are great, and uh, they deserve to have fun stuff too. And uh, and that was something we just wanted to to put out during quarantine, we thought let's put this thing out there. And mm-hmm. um, uh, so so that kids have more to find. I know there's a lot of books out there, but just just for fun. And we distributed them out in Lost Hills too. We printed a bunch out, mm. uh, sent them out there. And I think kids respond well, my nephew did. Yeah, that's-,
0: that's awesome. So Dizzy ha- showing you the, the, his completed color, you know, is, I think it's a coloring book too, right?
2: Yeah, we have both. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Is he, he showing you color, what he does? Yeah.
2: He's, no. <laughs> he he doesn't really color yet. I mean he's two. I don't know oh. when, when I don't know when kids start to color. But, but, uh, <laughs> he's obsessed with repeating letters and numbers. So that's it's kind of good for him to he'll just go one, two, three, and like yell numbers for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, in, the
0: say, in the right order or sometimes?
2: Uh, no, all out of order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart kid though. He's, he's so cool. But yeah, kids just bring so much joy. And when we were making that, I was just thinking about getting to read it to him. So yeah, it was really fun. That's, that's
0: wonderful. So I know you guys have a lot of experience with collaborations. Is your process with collaborating with people or brands, is that very different from like some of the your personal work that you guys do?
2: You know, it's not that different because Nikki and I are just collaborating by nature. So I already understand that, that another person's opinion is going to matter a lot with what I'm making and, and to not be, I'm not like selfish in that process. So that's really important because otherwise it's hard to work with people. Um, mm-hmm. And, like I was saying about the maybe if you learn another language or try another material, if you put yourself into another scenario of of like Barney's, for example, like this has to yeah. be a public piece and and you have to cover columns, and maybe there's certain aspects of it that are very commercial and and it's that's all tricky stuff to navigate mm-hmm. but i it was a it's like a fun challenge, and um we really only work with people that we like. So hmm. if, we'll, if we meet them and and don't get a good energy at first we usually don't do it or i don't think we ever have actually everyone we work <laughs> with this is really cool and they have to be excited about it <laughs> and when everyone's excited it's all like it all works yeah yeah,
1: yeah that's so true and that really uh, sets a good tone for a lot of artists some artists may may not really realize how the type of way that they carry themselves or the way that they interact with people on different projects in that in the collaboration how it may have an impact on future projects. So that's yeah. really interesting that you brought that up.
2: Uh, that's a big deal. And and as a you know because I wanted to be a painter and that was I had a very solitary practice. I'm by nature I'm still like that and I I like all the time kind of want to run off and just be alone. But I've learned that that doesn't work for me and I don't really do that as much anymore as much as I want to sometimes but I'm I'm so lucky to have gotten to work with the people that I've worked with like like they're they're awesome and I've learned so much stuff from them so if I'm able to set aside that impulse to to like just be me only Mm -hmm. and open my brain a little bit I am I'm actually the one who who comes out with more yeah
0: (laughs) I can I completely agree with you I think when you have like a really good collaboration like uh, it just Makes everything better. Everything is heightened. The work is heightened. The quality is heightened, and it's just a, a really great experience.
2: Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, recently we the the last collaboration we did was with Rihanna too, and that made, I I uh, almost exploded when I found out that's I was working with. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> that's one I would never say no to no matter what it was, so I was <laughs> like, but but that's um, you know like I wouldn't have gotten that if I if I uh, weren't already like down to work together with somebody there's no way because anyone you meet with will kind of feel feel that immediately
0: yeah. that's, that's awesome so how did that co- collaboration come about
2: through my gallery it came through fiden the publisher and mm-hmm. I know that they had all been talking about wanting to make an art book and they reached out to some different artists that she had, that she liked. And then we met and she came to our studio and I like couldn't breathe. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I I saw a video and I think I looked kind of cool and collected, but I was <laughs> having a complete panic attack. <laughs> and I like blacked out. I hardly remember it. Um, but... Um, no, it was, it was amazing. So yeah, she, they vetted us and, and, you know, we couldn't talk about anything for a long time, obviously. And then it actually started and I, and I couldn't really believe that that was happening for real, but it, it was cool. That's usually, awesome. usually a big project like that starts with a lot of secrecy. And so I, I get amped like right from the beginning, because I'm sure it's big. And uh, and then it turns into like a love fest, and I I became such good friends with the publishers. Publishers were all so great, and just the team that was working on it. Everybody was really passionate, and everyone really knew what they were doing. So it was the whole thing was like one of the most positive experiences.
0: That's really nice. I remember one of the things you said earlier was that with some of your collaborations, you feel like you've learned from from some of the people that you collaborate with. Can you think of like one of the things that stands out to you that you learned from one of your collaborations?
2: <laughs> i trying to think of a good specific one. I mean, really the ones that have been the most impactful are are more like the Lost Hills thing or or mm-hmm. what we did in South Africa because the amount of learning that I did was, was beyond. Really, I think it's just that uh, I'm lucky to do what I'm doing that's the main thing I learned out of it. And that art is therapeutic. Uh-huh.
1: That's awesome.
2: So, <laughs> yeah.
1: so now we're talking about Riri. And Riri, if you're listening into this podcast, <laughs> just don't grow up with thinking about you. Now, <laughs> what was the inspiration for that frame on their, oh. um, Rihanna's book? That was amazing, man.
2: So thank you. Uh, we We do, that's a story in itself because we used to watch Futurama. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that cartoon, yeah. the Dr. Zoidberg has a weird mouth on it, like a floppy mouth. And that's a shape that we took and started putting <laughs> on some of our things. But we, we've used it a lot um, in general. But when it came to this, we wanted to make sort of a... I was inspired by those pillows that crowns sit on in museums. Um, like, I like the idea that a crown has its own pillow because uh, it's absurd, but it's like very, you know, it's a very special thing. Um, <laughs> so we wanted to do that. We've, there are a few different versions of the stand, but the, the one that has the gold kind of flanges on it and then mm-hmm. like a very special pillow uh, was based on that. And it was sort of supposed to be like a crown thing. And then there's one where she's her hands uh, are holding the book we wanted that to be, that she's just uh, you know giving you the book basically oh it has okay. got her tattoos on it um, and oh, she okay. just really responded to that shape when she came in too and and especially this fabric that was on it that's got this kind of like brain looking fabric she's like <laughs> touching it a lot and loved it, and so that's we <laughs> wanted to put that in there too.
0: That's really cool. so the l object am I saying that right
2: love oh love love j. J. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the the lob project that's something that is more like mass marketed was it very different trying to take I mean is it, all of it looks really gorgeous but it was a different trend taking what you do and making it something that could be mass marketed
2: yeah uh, that luckily we worked with somebody who's really good at that and his name is elad and he has it was lucky we had him and the people who made it in portugal portugal is makes the best ceramics mm. like mm. unbelievable and wow. the craftspeople there know everything about it they, there's so much that i had no idea how to do that they can do like slip casting isn't one of my fortes but they they're just experts, and also porcelain is really hard to work with. I I'm not very good at that. Really, it was more about the making sure a function was in it because that's we're not always that's not our always our mo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we made sure there was some function that it kept our spirit and that it could be made um, by by these specific places in, in Portugal. So that was really the challenge. But I love them. Mm-hmm. I have them in my house. It's <laughs> a good smell. One
1: of <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> awesome. yeah, we love working with porcelain it, it It can be a little tricky, especially the the frost porcelain. Now, we it's checked crazy, out some yeah, <laughs> yeah it's is it, is crazy it, is. it has its
0: own mind no, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> no, we got a chance to look at some of the merch uh that you have on the uh hive shop as well, and <laughs> per people, I would highly recommend getting onto the website you're gonna see the website in the show's notes, please get on there, check some of this stuff out. I even looked at, I saw how some of the shirts, they kind of move when you wave your brows over them. That was really cool too.
2: Now, what, I was I was like a uh, an amateur web designer when I was young, so I, <laughs> I made all these like like I, I built it like I was still in 2001 with the with the gift, <laughs> but it worked, and I love doing it. <laughs> That's so cool,
1: man. Now, what what feeling do you want people to have when they wear some of your work?
2: Um, I think just again like happy. I mean, I'm wearing one right now, and it's always in colors that are that are happy. I dress for comfort and and joy. So I guess that's that's what I want, and I want people to to know that I'm I guess friendly enough when they see me that <laughs> so if I'm wearing one of these, I don't think I' come off as like aggressive, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, he's a lovely person, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah no. Now, we also, we, we touched on this before we started the interview and we talked a little bit about some of the philanthropic work that you've done with Linda's Lost Hills and California Central Valley Project. Yeah. How, how is it, how is it working with those, those beautiful women um, on this project?
2: It's amazing. And um, I mean, I wouldn't even call it philanthropic necessarily, but just, just like work is going to places that where it matters we're not like giving anything to anybody it's just we have built a an art business at this point that's big enough to employ people and we both had a promise to each other early on that we would try to to make that money move around in a a responsible Mm -hmm. way so I, I started beadwork because I went to Cape Town and I met uh, a group of women who does beadwork there. And they, they have a, it's basically a collective and they live in townships and they use beads to uplift themselves. And it's all women. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And we got to work with them and uh, we did a collaboration with them. They taught me how to bead. They showed me the value of, of having a community of crafters all in the same place because they're not just making something they're also supporting each other and talking the whole time and you know one you know somebody will drive the other one or it's it's actually just a community experience so that was so successful that when Linda gave us the opportunity to do it in Lost Hills I was so excited um (laughs) because it's close by it's not a 30-hour flight (laughs) um and it's only a, you know, it's like a two hour drive, but also these, the women there had, had not had that much experience with beads. So I was getting to teach something that, that I really loved. And I was, I guess, kind of paying forward just that craft, mm-hmm. um, which I think is cool. Um, and Lost Hills is a place that it's sort of a stop off on your way up to San Francisco if you're driving on the five and I'd, I'd gone to get gas there before, but I never really thought about it. And when we started working there, I was like, "Wow, this is—you know—this isn't just a spot that you drive by. It's a a real place, and the people here are are incredible." And I learned that women don't have that much work opportunity in any uh, agricultural town. Mm. Um, and uh, Lost Hills is very agricultural, uh, and and in general, women had very very low employment, um, and they also all had families, so it was important that work can be done from home. Uh, Linda was generous with us and donated like spaces to us and things like that. So that really helped the whole thing move along. But, but a lot of it could be done while, while people were going to school or taking care of their kids, etc. So that was, it was more than a, an than a art project. It was like a whole years long thing of, of just
0: mm-hmm.
2: having like this family out there. And those are the kinds of projects that I like more than anything. I come out of it those that's where I learn everything you know what I mean and I'm I don't a lot of them speak Spanish and I'm trying to learn it I don't speak (laughs) it very well but we're you know we're sitting together and and um there's a challenge of beating and speaking to somebody you don't can't really (laughs) communicate with but but it gets funny and like everyone starts laughing and like yeah just it's such a beautiful thing
1: yeah it looked like you guys were having a good time (laughs)
2: <laughs> a really good time. <laughs>
0: and I, I really, I think you guys such, such such a nice example because I know sometimes there's like, in like some of the art world or some artists, they kind of have this guilt when it comes to being paid for their work. But then I feel like people like you and those other artists that I've talked to as well, they try to, t- they do good things with the money and they include others. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it's not like you, you don't, it's not philanthropic, like you really respect these women and you're employing them because they're very skilled. And I think that's beautiful.
2: Thanks. Yeah, it it is. It's, it's, I mean, there's, it's an important distinction between the philanthropy and, and is maybe this is actually just how businesses should operate. And I, I kind of think mm-hmm. the, the latter is true. And so it's, that felt cool to actually experience that. But People did this for me too when I was young and I wanted to have jobs and I I was trying to get here and there and there were, you know, I had experiences because Nikki and I were art fabricators before we started doing any of this and Mm -hmm. you would never know the pieces that we made because we were told, don't give out your business card, don't tell anyone you made this Mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, I'm putting my time and my heart and soul into this thing and I'm not allowed to say that I ever had anything to do with it and that sounds so, that feels so crooked. Um, and it exists in the, in the world in general, but the art world gets nasty. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of money getting thrown around and there are are lots of people whose, whose egos start to get involved with like, well, I own this Picasso piece and I own, you know, so there it's like a, it's a microcosm of the, of the rest of the world, but Mm -hmm. it's like, especially privileged. So it gets really (laughs) gnarly, really fast. (laughs) So. Um, I think, I think we were, we kind of just saw that when we were first starting and, and we didn't want to be a part of that at all. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting. Now in the interview, Nikki, he described you as being an inventor an obsessive philosopher. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what are your thoughts about that?
2: Um, I don't know if he's using philosophy in the right way. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a philosopher. I have a lot of ideas and, and and opinions. Or he's giving me too much credit, I should say. But in inventing is something I like doing, and that's that has more to do with process. And actually, the Lost Souls Project is a good example um, mm-hmm. because the beaded system I came up with is one that that you don't have to be able to to uh, you don't have to speak at all, actually. You don't really have to speak um, the person's language that you're working with in order to do it because it's color-based and it's like very simple, small rules. So I like to invent things like that, like, or a process that, that if I were dead, somebody else could just Pick it up and start doing it again. Uh, Like our Mm -hmm. ceramics have a texture on it that once I come up with the process, I'm like irrelevant because Mm -hmm. it's it's already happened. So that's the kind of stuff I like making.
0: That's really cool. (laughs) Like that's super generous too.
2: (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, or or or, yeah, it's it's just I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated by how ideas and uh, ideas propagate on their own and they have their own life behind them and and. The, and the person who has the idea is uh, obviously came up with it but they're not necessary anymore I mean money is actually one of those things mm-hmm. where it has it's a life of its own and mm-hmm. at this point you know somebody thought of it a long time ago now it's like you can't Crush it! It's bigger than anything <laughs> right. else, but it's cool that ideas do that, and and hopefully they're good ideas. <laughs> hopefully they're like, positive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, because after doing some of these collaborations and things, is do you think they're gonna they influence some of the projects that you guys um want to work on in the future?
2: Uh, yeah, we want to do more of those. We we decided to start working on a cartoon. So that's, something oh, still, yeah. um, that's it's really fun. Nikki is an amazing cartoonist, and wow. um, you know I was nervous about that because I have never really gotten into to Hollywood in that way, which is its own whole machine, and I can't pretend mm-hmm. to know anything about it. <laughs> um, but we we were like we met a, um, a production company that's really cool uh, called Stupid Buddies, and they make like Robot Chicken. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. and. Uh, we were basically like, we want to make this, but, but we're going to, we have no idea what we're doing, but we still want to make it. And so I think we learned, we learned that that's actually an okay way to approach something. If you <laughs> say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I still want to. Um, and so now, and now we're making a cartoon, which is really cool. That's, that's so awesome. awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I got a chance to uh, listen in to an interview with Yearly Smith. She's the voice for Lisa Simpson on the uh, Simpson show. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it was with uh, Kathy Heller and she talked about how when The Simpsons first came out, it was basically it was it, it was thought of as a failure and they didn't really think that they would progress on to a, a second and the third season. But now you look at The Simpsons, they've been on for over 30 years. So I find that really fascinating. So, folks, you heard it here on Vessel Art as a Doorway. <laughs> That the Haas brothers are coming out with a cartoon. Now can we get can we get the name of the cartoon?
0: Or is it still working in progress? It still work?
2: No, it's it's been announced. It's called Filthy Animals. It is work in progress, but it's been announced. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty it it's uh yeah, it's it is what it sounds like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, we look forward to uh, checking that out. Yeah. Now, many many are at home, Simon, as you can imagine, with this crazy COVID-19 pandemic that's happening. What advice would you give artists in this time that we're living
2: in? Don't give up. Or, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, it's easy to say something like practice self-care, but... Mm-hmm it's not always easy to actually do that and we're all stressed out. So that's, um, that's hard advice to follow, but I just think don't stop doing what you, what you like to do. And hopefully when you come out of this, you'll have some work that you're proud of. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. Cause I feel like it would be a shame if you guys stop doing what we were talking a little bit um, earlier before we started recording about like, the fact that people are turning to art even during this time and you you guys your you and um Nikki's art is so joyful. I think that yeah I could totally agree with you.
2: Oh sorry, go ahead.
0: No <laughs> you go
2: no 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 no, no, no.
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I I was just thinking um it's almost like you guys are really providing some good entertainment for us. Uh you know I I was just checking out I was going through some of your feed and I saw the one where Nikki, he was actually doing the carving and then he, uh-huh. he gets up and he starts shaking it, you know, up a little bit, you know.
2: Yeah. And those, those are
1: things that people need. They need to see it's true. Um, how normal people are, you uh-huh. know, and how even if you're in the studio, you're working, we're all under tremendous amounts of stress. Yeah. But I really appreciate um, yeah. some of the work that you guys are cranking out and how Thank you're doing you. it and how you're making it so human.
2: Yeah, entertainment is important, and, and having fun is still important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have fun in the studio. When you see me on the feed, it, I look really boring, and it's because I, I do oh, <laughs> <fair>. boring work. <laughs> but he is <laughs> insane. And whenever I go into the studio and he's there, like I see him dancing, and it makes me really happy. So I know that it's, it's doing a good thing.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm the square. I'm a really square version of him yeah <laughs>
0: you're a very very round square i don't see anything square about you
2: once again once again audience very humble, very <laughs> humble. maybe you guys by comparison because he's like what i what i look at as like fun I'm like, wow i'm really boring
0: <laughs> so do you guys have any projects coming up well you mentioned besides the cartoon um, do you guys have any other projects that you're excited to be working on that you can tell us about?
2: Uh, we have a show at the Savannah college of art and design, and that is the, t- I can't tell you the time exactly. Cause stuff keeps shifting around, but that's our next thing. And that'll be really cool. Yeah. Especially anything at a school I get excited about and I've never been to Savannah, so that's going to be fun. Nice. I want to eat the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they have barbecue, right?
0: Oh yeah, they. Please, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna get worn out, man. Uh, SCAD is an amazing university. It is. Um, she she went to their actual their rival university, but. That was them. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yes, yeah, SCAD. Oh man, that's that's so amazing. We I, I think we had our first date in Savannah. So no, oh, really, you know, yeah, yeah and cool. um, you know, they have these cobblestones from uh. Over like 400 years ago, that some of the slaves, when Whoa, they first God. got off the ship, they actually built those cobblestones and they're still there to this day. So you're going to really enjoy no that, way. especially checking oh, out man. the boats and the seafood. Oh, killer.
2: No, seriously, killer, I man. can't wait. And and that kind of history, you know, I mean, L.A. has history, but not not in that sense. So you, it's like a pretty newish city. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. And yeah, I, I just want to experience the whole thing.
1: So we're going to be putting that also in the show's notes, uh, people. So if you're wondering how you can get access to some of these uh, things that Simon is talking about, we're looking forward to going to some of these shows too. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything you would like to tell our audience in connection with uh, creativity or anything that you'd like or to Or just tell?
0: how they can find you guys?
2: How to find us? We're on Instagram at the Haas Brothers and online at thehousebrothers.com. And just as a creative message, I I don't know, I guess same thing, don't give up. Uh, Whether it's because of COVID or self-doubt or like thinking you need to have a very specific piece in front of you that you created, that's the main thing. It makes me so sad every time I see somebody like say to themselves, oh, this isn't good enough and I'm going to stop. Never do that. Just keep doing mm-hmm. it <laughs> and just do it for yourself yeah, yeah
1: that's so true <laughs> you know what well, simon it's been such a pleasure and a privilege from us, really, I, I I, think we feel that deep down in our hearts that you would even come <laughs> on to the show. And uh, thank you for your time. We know that you're a very busy person. No, thank but you. Thank I, you so I appreciate much. it.
2: And thanks for being patient with me. It was, it was like hard to pin down, but I, I'm so happy that I got to do this. And you guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. No,
0: we're so happy you're here. I mean, with everything being crazy. Right now, too, it's just a breath of fresh air being able to talk to you.
1: (laughs) And you giving your time to our audience, too. So thank thank you you so much once again.
2: Thank you.
0: That was such a great interview. Isn't he such a nice guy, Channing?
1: You know, I really enjoy listening in to this interview for a second time. And I'm so happy that Simon actually corrected me because When you think about it, this wasn't a philanthropic project that Simon and Nikki and Linda Resnick, what they did in Lost Hills. They're actually empowering the people that live in their community. And that's one thing that's really interesting. Many people, they talk about how artists, they may move their businesses or they may move into a particular area, and then the area starts to become gentrified. Well, we see examples like Simon and Nikki and other artists also uh, around the world we see that they're actually empowering the community. They're bringing a real economic value. And I found that so fascinating. So it's like they're bringing their business into that particular area. And it's rewarding the talent that's already in that community. And it involves the artists, including other people in their project. So no doubt this really enhances the project and makes it even better.
0: I really love the principles that they use when it comes to the way they run their design practice in their business. Like for example, how they value the differences between each other, how they feel like those differences create a balance between them and how that filters off into the a lot of the collaborations that they've done with others. And I also really love how now that their business is big enough that it's employing others, how responsible they even approached that it was just really a beautiful example
1: now next week audience we have another treat for you you probably remember in an earlier episode we mentioned a woman phenomenal woman out in philadelphia her name is jane golden well guess what we interviewed jane and that's going to be featured on next week's episode here's a short clip listen in
0: and I can say that there's a direct link between especially my dad, his taste in art and his my conversations with him about the WPA and understanding sort of Franklin Roosevelt and what it meant to have a program like that rise out of the ashes of the depression and the courage it took on sort of someone like to have Roosevelt create that, right? Like wouldn't happen now. It should happen now, but it wouldn't. But that sort of I think were formed by those early things that happen. And certainly that molded my life in a particular way.
1: Thank you for listening in to this week's podcast. We know once again, that there's a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different things that you could be enjoying, but you're here with us. and That means a lot to us. Thank you so much for being a part of Vessel Art as a Doorway.
0: You know, I really enjoy listening in
1: to this interview for a second time, and I'm so happy that Simon actually corrected me because when you think about it, this wasn't a philanthropic project. That Simon and Nikki and Linda Resnick, what they did in Lost Hills. They're actually empowering the people that live in their community. And that's one thing that's really interesting. Many people, they talk about how artists, they may move their businesses or they may move into a particular area, and then the area starts to become gentrified. Well, we see examples like Simon and Nikki and other artists also uh, around the world we see that they're actually empowering the community. They're bringing a real economic value to the community. And I found that so fascinating. So it's like they're bringing their business into that particular area and it's rewarding the talent that's already in that community. And it involves the artists, including other people in their project. So no doubt this really enhances the project and makes it even better.